0: Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joe P. Zappia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by Vandal. I
1: am your host, and uh, I'm going to bring in my co-host here for a moment, but I want to bring him in quietly because, um, well, it was a tough day for Green Bay. It was a tough day for Packers fans. Um, Joe Bartell, my condolences on your quarterback and potentially your football season. Uh, I am so, so sorry, sir. Uh, how are you holding up in this tough time?
2: You know, it's funny. I had probably five or six people say the same thing to me uh, over the course of yesterday. And it, it was first like annoyance. And then the, the fourth or fifth time it was anger. It's like, okay, guys. Well, enough. this is the Stop stages this. of grief, Joe. Stop You're going it. through and, the and stages now, of grief. <laughs> and now it's like, yes. You know what? Thank you. Thank you for the condolences. Our season is done. Um, I appreciate that quite a bit. I, I mean, honestly, I think the Packers, if they if they can make adjustments, they have a shot at still making the playoffs. And if uh, Rodgers can come back, well, then anything goes. Um, but it certainly feels like it is a done season. It's another wasted year, uh, and it's it's frustrating. I don't I don't think I'll be able to get over this one for quite a while. It feels like.
1: All right. Well, here I'm going I'm gonna go through the five stages of grief for you, and you tell me which ones you've gone through already. <laughs> like, that's a, I think this is a fun exercise.
2: Wait, so, how can you be one that's telling me this when you haven't had a stage of grief season since like what, 2002? Yes, in football, correct. But in uh, as a Mets fan, my childhood
1: was place. glorious in the 80s and then all of a sudden things have come crashing down. So I've lived in a pool of grief for the last, and believe me, I'm in acceptance. Oh, I'm in acceptance. So um, obviously you've gone through denial. Denial. denials happened already yes
2: yes i would okay. i would agree with that yes okay
1: uh anger clearly obviously uh we've already got now bargaining have you started to bargain is that the whole well Hundley could do more he, as you said to me before we started he could be like Deshaun watson light if we would only just you know, let him run around instead of just standing in the pocket the whole time. Is that the bargaining? Yeah,
2: we're, we're probably in the bargaining stage. I don't, yes, and I did say that before the podcast, and I'll stand by it now here where we got the airwaves going. We could put me on record here. I think that Hunley could be effective so long as they utilize him correctly. Hunley is not Aaron Rodgers. He's certainly not Tom Brady. He is not Ben Roethlisberger. Do not have him sit in the pocket. That's not going to be an effective strategy for a guy that's basically a rookie quarterback this year. But what we saw against the Vikings was him just standing there and getting teed off against what was basically fourth and fifth string linemen too, no less. We need to move the pocket with Hundley. I think we need to take advantage of some read option plays. I I hope, I pray that Mike McCarthy could watch a college football game for once on a Saturday afternoon and see ways that we can utilize an athletic quarterback because there are differences between what Hundley can do on the field and what Rodgers can do. Obviously, Rodgers moves around quite a bit, moves in the pocket quite well. Hundley's going to be a different guy where I think we can use his athleticism to our advantage. Again, like a Deshaun Watson light, like a Colin Kaepernick light, um, I think that there's, there are ways to do that. But I really, really hope they will. I am not optimistic as a fan that the uh, Packers coaching staff will be able to catch on to what they could do with Hundley behind, the, behind center.
1: Yes, which uh, you know, there's a moment there where you were in bargaining, and I felt like you were going backwards towards anger, and then you came out of it again,
2: uh, which then goes to be, depression. I you're on the edge of both of them right now. Right, so
1: depression. I think you're somewhere between depression and acceptance right now. I I found I find like you're kind of in between. So hopefully by the end of this, we'll have acceptance. And in case you're wondering, Hundley That's next week. well, <laughs> next week at home against New Orleans, just sixty-five hundred. So, um, in terms of fantasy returns, I mean, look for two times value. 12 points isn't an impossible
2: thing, but... You no, know. I guarantee you he gets that. I, I really do believe in Hundley. I mean, the Packers coaching staff is way more uh, highly uh, highly touting Hundley than they probably need to be. But I think against that Saints defense, there's a lot that could be had fantasy-wise. And they will have a different game plan. I, I turned to my fiancé right when Rodgers got hurt and said this was going to be a loss against the Vikings because they would not be able to adjust during that game. They, they are just, to me, historically bad at adjusting in-game, especially... They'll get the halftime stuff right, but, you know, drive to drive, there won't be any adjustments going on. So I thought that was going to be a problem to begin with. But if they do utilize Hunley more as a guy that can roll out, use his legs, I think that he will do pretty well, especially for 6,500. I, I think that's a worthwhile gamble, especially in tournaments.
1: All right, well, let's get to what we got wrong and what we got right. Let's start with the quarterbacks. So let's be positive first in terms of right. Could not have been more right about Cousins, 334, two touchdowns. That's exactly what we wanted. Uh, another good Deshaun Watson game, three touchdowns for him there in that one, uh, only 225. But we figured the yardage total wouldn't need to be enormous to be Cleveland, and it wasn't. So those were very good. Uh, in terms of what we got wrong, I, hey, look, I'll take the heat on this. Drew Brees, you know, I the the stats coming off of a bye were just insanely good for breeze. And part of the reason I think it was a little suppressed, you know, he had the two touchdowns. He did go two times value, but I was looking for three times against Detroit. The problem was the game script kind of got wacky. When you get defensive touchdowns going on, yeah. you get a lot of the game was a very odd one. Had it been, I think, a more, more straight up kind of scoring where the defenses didn't get so heavily involved in so many different ways of scoring. I think it might have been a different day. Eh, say la vie. What can you do? But at least we got two out of the three right now. Things that we didn't see coming. I don't know about you. I, I saw the stat that you know all quarterbacks so far against the Patriots this year have gone for 300-plus yards. I didn't think McCown was going to get there. He did. So kudos to him. 354. Is this a lock now going forward, Joe, where any quarterback against the Patriots, and next week it will be Matt Ryan coming up in week seven, is that where we're going to go because it's just a 300-yard lock?
2: I didn't think McCown was actually that bad of a play, and I kind of waffled between him and Phillip Rivers if I was going to go lower in fantasy. And, of course, I took the Rivers route, and that was okay, but it wasn't Josh McCown. So I I don't – to go back to your question, I'm not sure it's a lock, especially Thursday night games, I'm not making it a lot because I I thought that was the case for Jameis Winston, and that didn't work out. Um, I think that against Matt Ryan, it's a different scenario. The the Patriots have spent a lot of time, um, I think, scouting them even before the Super Bowl, and that team isn't that much different than what we saw last year. So I think they might actually have a game plan. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't actually hit 300 with Matt Ryan. I think those big time games, the Patriots just seem to to be a different team. Um, and I think that will be a bit of a revenge factor, maybe obviously for the Falcons, but maybe a bit for that uh, Patriots defense too. So I'm not sure I'm going to just put a Matt rise in automatic lock, but at the same time, I think that, you have to be considering most quarterbacks going against that Patriots defense. And this has been something that we've figured out since like week two. Now, I think that it's a pretty consistent one that we can roll with week in and week out.
1: There's a bad spot here for Atlanta. I'm just saying, you know, because losing at home, you know, they lost at home now to the bills and then they lost this week again to Miami. And I'm I'm, Miami's defense has played well this year. I don't want to take anything away from them, but we're talking about, you know, They're not that good of a team. Well, we're talking about Jake Cutler. We're talking about Tyrod Taylor. And when you lose two home games against those quarterbacks, I don't know, man. Going on the road into New England, you know, and I understand that the Patriots' MO defensively has always been, you know, yardage totals don't matter. Get turnovers, get sacks, make impact plays on defense. Yardage isn't as important as, you know, points. Unfortunately, they're giving up points too. But I'll tell you what, if Atlanta blows this one or, or, you know, should really get pounded in this one when they go to New England on Sunday night next week, that's gonna that, that could be kind of the death knell of their season. And I'll tell you what, I you know, going into this year, if you look historically, Joe, on the uh, teams that have lost Super Bowls, especially lost them in historic or bad yep. fashion, they don't do well. I mean, even a recent memory. You go back to the Broncos when they lost; they got creamed by Seattle. They were awful the next year. Same thing, Carolina when they lost to the Broncos two years ago. And it just it's one of those things. In the last twenty years, you go back and you look outside of the Buffalo Bills era where they just kept coming back for more abuse. It's like, it's
2: like, you know. Well, people will talk about the Super Bowl hangover, but I just didn't think the Falcons were as good as they were last year. I thought it was buoyed by a ridiculous season by Matt Ryan, which he – was not going to ever be able to replicate. That was the reason why he fell below guys like Rodgers and Tom Brady um, and even Cam Newton into to some extent in these season long drafts because no one, you're not going to be able to replicate that number. And he was carrying a defense that really was trying to mature and develop. And we've seen that it hasn't quite been the case. They've gotten a lot better than they were last season, but the Falcons were never ever going to be as good as they were last year And the same kind of, Goes for the Cowboys, too. We saw both those guys do incredibly well last season. I thought right away from the get go, there was no way they're going to be able to match those uh, performances that they did in the 2016 season.
1: All right, let's go over to running back. What we got right? Uh, well, certainly, uh, Mr. Melvin Gordon, we got right again. Another good game from him, both in the receiving end and in the rushing end, too. He rushed for 83 and had a couple touchdowns on the day. I mean, exactly what we want. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, as we talked about, uh, full PPR, even half PPR was worth. A look but in the full especially he was tremendous another good outing from him that i is love good.
2: mckinnon i love mckinnon and daily fantasy season long i'm a little oh, 100 i don't think that mckinnon can carry this going week week in and week out but he's by far the better talent out of him and Latavius Murray. It's just a matter of when and if he's going to get hurt. That's so much abuse that he's taken on his body. Uh, and you could see in the Packer game, too, that he's wearing down just a little bit. But I love McKinnon and Daily Fantasy for as long as we have him.
1: Agreed, agreed. Now, Doug Martin did get in the end zone. Look, he played well. He averaged almost four yards a carry. The problem is... That game just got blown open in the first quarter. <laughs> you know, by the, time yeah. that, by the time we were half, you know, it was just not going to be a situation where they could really lean on Doug Martin. Then he had the Winston injury on top of it, so it was it was a difficult spot here for him. But let's talk about the other end. And I said on third, on Friday's show, I said, look, you know, I'm not going in the Adrian Peterson route. Even if he goes off, I still think it was just far too much risk to take. And I, look, I'm okay being wrong about this. I'll hold my hand up. I was absolutely wrong. He was fantastic. I mean, he had more rushing yards in the first half than he's had all season. Now the question is, Joe, can you carry any of this over for next week?
2: That's the thing that I was wondering too. I, I thought that there was still some vintage AP left in him. I don't. I, he's one of those players – I think of it a lot of times in basketball, and we'll be doing NBA podcasts in just a little bit too. So that's where I'm like thinking in the NBA terms. Again, my season's already done, so I'm moving on to the next one. Um, but <laughs> <the way> Adrian, <laughs> Just stay Peterson. here
1: with me for a few more weeks, Joe. I, I just did <laughs> right, on Monday. I'll give you
2: just a little bit more, oh, Joe. you so, <laughs> so good to me. <laughs> no, Joe. I thought that there was always some vintage AP left in him. I just didn't know when we'd see it. And obviously against the Bucks, that defense just is is not good at all. I mean, that's, that under-rader underwriter under the radar, one of the worst defenses I feel like in the NFL, and we saw it there, too. I'm not sure that he can replicate that going forward, because he's got the Rams next week. The 49ers... Well, now the Rams, in all fairness, Joe, ranked 29th against the Rush. No, I just think that it's going to be a different thing with the pass rush, because Palmer, we've seen, has struggled. I'm looking back to that Eagles game. He struggled mightily when the, the pass rush was going on. I think they're a different team when they have a running back like David Johnson, or maybe like a vintage Adrian Peterson, but at the same time, that pass rush gets to him quite a bit. I just, I don't see that working against the Rams, despite what the numbers say, and I'm not quite sure I see it working against the Niners either. So three divisional games, Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, next three in the schedule. I, I, I'm, I'm wary. I'll say this. I'm wary starting him, um, but, you know, it's, it, anything can happen, especially this season. Anything can happen.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, anything can happen. We know that because we saw the Giants go in and beat the Denver Broncos, which yes. was stunning, uh, which killed my CJ Anderson pick, which is very sad. But I did make up for it because on Friday I am the Deion Lewis whisperer. If you listen to Friday's show, <laughs> and uh, I said Deion Lewis, John McKechnie wanted to run the other way as far as he possibly could for me, uh, and and with good reason, I, I you know. But when I when I when Dion Lewis speaks to me i I'm, I hear it
2: you got I, lucky that Gillis decided to cough up another fumble, and then Belichick just uh well i'll tell like you why girlfriend for part the first half
1: to a certain degree, yes, but also if you watched the previous week too on Thursday, you saw how Lewis was starting to ramp up again, and whenever you know. Whenever Brady's feeling a groove there with Lewis, that's always a good thing too because he tends to be one of those rhythm guys. So Lewis is a guy that keeps Brady in a good rhythm. So you could see that that was starting to happen a little bit. And then the Hogan injury obviously helped too because, you know, just yeah. you got to get the ball to somebody. So all of it went well. But, hey, right is right, my friend. Let's talk about um, wide receiver. I I, I
2: oh, a, go ahead. I, I, I thought Marshawn Lynch was going to have a much better game than he did against the Chargers. Defense has been one of the worst ones too. I mean, we talked about the Bucs oh, and yeah. the Chargers rushing defense, and I thought, especially with Derek Carr coming back from the injury and kind of being limited, that they would have to rely on Lynch quite a bit. He's been one of the bigger disappointments, I think, both in season and fantasy. 100%. hundred uh, percent. He can't get any touchdowns, and that's where a lot of his value came into play because he just isn't that explosive a runner anymore. And I'll tell you what, Joe, you know, you go back and you, and you watch
1: um, you know, Lynch run too. I mean, I, I'm not impressed. I, I wasn't impressed in the no. preseason, and I wasn't buying in anywhere. I have no shares of him, and the funny part is this was a week where – it all should have been loaded up for him. It should have been a a, a gimme game. And I told people and I answer questions all over. No, stay away from it. Cause if you haven't seen it yet, I wouldn't go for it. I just don't believe it's going to happen. And I think he's done. And I'll ask you a question, you know, just going in next week. I mean, I know we've got, uh, Marshawn Lynch playing on the Thursday night game and also if you're playing Thursday slate it's important but I feel better about Adrian Peterson and his $6,500 range you know salary going twice value more than I do about Marshawn Lynch and that's not even I don't even have to hesitate on that
2: oh absolutely no I I agree with you that I know I was waffling a little bit on um, what Peterson can do uh, moving forward but no I I would take Peterson over Lynch hands down and I really would have done that in season-long leagues too to begin the season I just then I didn't believe that a guy that coming off of retirement basically is going to be able to be effective, even in an offense that should be able to cater to it. And if he didn't do it against the Chargers this week, I don't know when he'll be able to do it. He needs touchdowns to be fantasy relevant and they just aren't coming for him. So I'm, I'm off that Lynch train. I wasn't really on it to begin with, but I'm definitely off it now.
1: All right, let's go over to the wide receivers. Antonio Brown, another brilliant day, eight for one fifty-five and a touchdown. Now, look, the touchdown in the last fifty-five of those yards or so came on a kind of a fluky play, and that's and that's why you know we'll sit here every week, Joe, and we'll talk about, well, he made a one play, you know, he did it, you know, he was off that freaky play because you know, (laughs) well, yeah, that's because he's a freakishly good athlete, and he's the kind of guy that can turn a ninety-yard game into all of a sudden a hundred and sixty-yard game. Off of one play, and those are the kind of guys in Daly that, are, you know, to me they're complete lineup builders. You always want to try to find a room for Antonio Brown in your lineup, no matter what the scenario, no matter how bad Ben Roethlisberger plays, it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, continuing down here, the other guy who benefited from Adrian Peterson is Larry Fitzgerald, because hey, all of a sudden now, yeah, well, all of a sudden now, but here's here you go with a running game back now established. All of a sudden now, Carson Palmer picking people apart, and Larry Fitzgerald, although he had the fumble. 10 for 138 and a touchdown, Joe. That was a phenomenal day going forward here. you know, Do you see this carryover? even Peterson's presence just continuing to help Fitzgerald down the road here as we go through October?
2: Uh, our World colleague, Andrew Laird, did a, a great article. Kind of, he recaps every Sunday's performance and talked a great deal about Larry Fitzgerald and how a lot of people pass him because of his age and whatever else. And I immediately thought of you while I was reading that article, so I was happy that you brought up Fitzgerald. Um, you know, every time – we all make mistakes, right, Joe? That's we mm, all, make we all do. We all do. Hey, I, I thought
1: I thought Eli Manning was gonna have more turnovers than the Giants would have points this week.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that was that game is just that game's beyond fluky. I think Fitzgerald has a lot of talent, um, and I, I I still think that he has a place in that offense. Again, I'm concerned about his matchup next week because I think that Palmer struggles when there is a pass rush, even with a running back around like Adrian Peterson or David Johnson. Palmer's Historically, the last few years, struggled with those pass rushes. So I'm a little worried about using Fitzgerald moving forward, but at 6,600, it's, it's not a bad price to go with most weeks because he does have that potential. And really, Palmer's only looking his way. I know that there's like 14 different rounds that are on the uh, Cardinals receiving core that they could throw to, but Fitzgerald's his guy, and that's, that's a good person to have.
1: Now, Mike Evans, only three catches, but he did have 95 in the touchdown. The late touchdown was huge. Golden Tate in this one, seven for 96 in a touchdown. Uh, another great game from him. You saw Chris Thompson continue again. I always say yards are yards. 105 receiving for him on just four catches. I mean, that is just a huge thing. And, you know, it's funny at this point, that offense, it's like – that offense He had 14 carries too. Yeah, it's Thompson and it's and it's Josh Dotson. I mean, if you told me that that's the way that the Redskins defense, uh, offense was going to run this year – I told you you're crazy. Some good uh, games from the tight end position, too. You had uh, Gronkowski, obviously, with a couple touchdowns, 6 for 83. So, if you paid up for Gronk, it was a good week to do that. Cameron Brait was that mid-level tight end that we loved on Friday. He had another nice return. Guess what? Another touchdown, 6 for 76 in the score. Uh, I think Braid is one of the most underrated tight ends in football. I heard all this noise about when O.J. Howard was drafted that Brait was a – I mean, Brait was undrafted in a lot of leagues, and it, I just could not believe that. In yeah. the daily world, he continues to be – that guy that if you can't afford Gronk, if you can't afford Ertz, the fade to bright is just seems like a, a perfect opportunity to, uh, and safe from a foundation standpoint, and with touchdown upside because he's catching a ton of TDs this year.
2: I don't think you're going to find a bigger supporter of OJ Howard than me, and I told everyone that would listen that there's no way Howard's going to do well this season. I thought that Breit still has an establishment with Jameis Winston, and I guess uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, too, because I mean, Fitzpatrick still was chucking his way. Brayton's a talent. I don't know how long he sticks along with that Buccaneers offense because I think they'll want to have OJ Howard be more of a focal point. But until that day comes, and I don't think it's this season, Brayton is absolutely a guy that in the mid tier values you can rely on week in and week out. Another
1: week goes by, another zero TDs for Julio Jones and Pierre Garcon. Uh, it's starting to get. Uh, out to, who, who scores first? Julio Jones or Pierre Garcon? Next week we got the. Atlanta in New no, England. To go Julio. Oh, he you have to, to go Julio. You got go uh, to secondary. go
2: Julio. I probably I guess I said Julio. And we know historically he's not been the greatest red zone guy despite his his athletic genius and, and really his ability just as a receiver. He doesn't really get that many red zone targets, which is stunning to me and I think- It is the Cowboys in San Fran though. The Cowboys do give up a lot of yards. I'm I don't think you're gonna find me ever picking Pierre Garcon over <laughs> Julio Jones in a who gets a touchdown battle. Like I just, who's more explosive? It's Julio Jones 110 percent of the time. I'm taking him to get a touchdown before Pierre Garcon. Right,
1: I'll go on the other side to make it fun. I'll, I'll take Pierre Garcon because <laughs> if I know one thing about Bill Belichick, kill off 12 guys on Julio Jones and make everybody else beat him. So that's that's probably uh, the way it'll go. Uh, in terms of any other surprises and wide receivers, I mean, I know Crabtree had another solid game. He continues to be that guy. No, anytime his price is somewhere in that 7,500 range, and every week it is, he's always basically a, a great play. It doesn't matter what contest you're playing in. He's like guaranteed points. Any other wide receivers disappoint or surprise you this week? Uh, was it a, Austin Severian Jenkins at the tight end spot? And and if so, was it a touchdown or wasn't it a touchdown? I
2: was I was wondering if you're going to bring that up. I will first answer your initial question. I think that Evan Ingram is the, one of the bigger ones. Again, we're not, not really a receiver, but for that Giants offense, he might as well be given all those guys that got hurt. I was curious to see who was... Step up. I thought Roger Lewis might have a shot. Maybe not this this week against the Broncos secondary. But I thought moving forward, he's the guy to get um, both in season long and daily, uh, daily fantasy. But Evan Ingram, um, yeah. surprising Thank was you. the guy that. Yeah, and I, I was low on him, thinking historically rookie tight ends do not succeed very well in their first season. Oh, me too. And he's been he's been a surprise. I knew that he was athletic enough and he was fast enough. I just didn't think Eli Manning would use him, but I forgot that Eli Manning only likes to throw to good tight end. So maybe that was uh something that I you know should have should have saw coming into the season but that was the bigger surprise going back to Austin Safarin and Jenkins yes that was a touchdown i hope as you being a patriots fan can also Oh, that of that was course a it was a touchdown yeah i don't think that the patriots would have lost though and people are like oh you know like the nfl is just giving the patriots the game no they would have played that scenario well, so uh, much more different it was 24-24 as opposed to 24-17 and of course they would have drove down and got the game winning field goal or touchdown so don't give me this to the patriots were given that win because they still would have done things differently.
1: in offense. I, I, I agree with that. And, I, and I'll also say this, the I heard the interpretation of the rule. And if you're going by, you know, it's like one of those NFL officiating anomaly things. When you, when you go by the interpretation of the rule, I understand why they did what they did. I still believe it to be a touchdown <laughs> regardless, yes. but yes. I understand what the thought process was at the same time. So one more controversial discussion before we uh, turn the page from week six and look ahead to Monday, Thursday slate. Did you think that the hit on Rogers was a late hit? I don't want to open up old wounds here. No, I know no, we started no, here. I thought it was okay. a clean football play. I mean, you know, he got rid of the ball as the guy was coming in to hit him and you know,
2: right. I, so I think that when times like this uh, happen and I, I can speak for all of Wisconsin saying losing Rogers is probably one of the most emotional things that we'll go through all year. It's um, like being
1: out of cheese.
2: Yeah, no. I think I think losing Rogers is worse than that, and that's saying something because I have like three pockets of cheese just with me right now. I, I just carry it around with me daily. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, you got
1: your carry on cheese, you
2: got yeah. your you got your home cheese. You gotta uh, have, you gotta have your backup supply of cheese with you at all times. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's a guarantee in Wisconsin. Um, I've I been to the that, Mars Cheese Castle.
1: Hit. Have you ever been there? No, I have oh. not. Been I have been there, and I, I'm going to give a plug. So if anyone from the Mars Cheese Castle wants to send me some free cheese curds, I'm here. But that is a, a spectacular place. I remember going to see a Brewer's game, and on the way back, there was a there was a sign for the Mars Cheese Castle. And it's a castle. It's not made of cheese. But it's got a lot of cheese in it. And they actually have one of these uh, things where you can buy called the Chairman of the Board, which comes with a board and all of these... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Different cheeses and sausage things and stuff like that. It might no.
2: not be a more Wisconsin thing than what you're just describing. Uh, right and, now. and I, and I, I, I gotta say,
1: I'm so a fan. Much. I'm a fan. But go right.
2: ahead, I digress. <laughs> no, I, I, I really did think it was a, a clean. I mean, you know, it was a little bit of a later hit, but it's not anything worse than what we've seen in previous times. I thought it was it was a clean hit for the most part. I thought what to me was a, a bit of, of a shock. I wanted to say appalling, but that's not quite the right word. Was how Rodgers was so disgusted at Anthony Barr. And I, again, I, just, I didn't think that that was that bad of a hit. But anytime that he's going at somebody, that makes me stop and pause and, and rewatch it. And, and obviously, they couldn't stop but showing that replay. Like, it just was constant. Yeah, well, and when pause. you slow
1: it down, there's always that thing. When you watch it in real time – see, no. that's the thing I have. Like, I think he was just mad because he got hurt. But That's what I you, thought, too. And when you watch it in real time – it looks like I just got clean football play. Whenever you slow things down, you start to go, yeah. oh, well, he got rid of the ball. Well, yeah, I got rid of the ball in slow motion. But if you're yeah. watching it, he's
2: already basically leaving his feet <laughs> as I, the ball's coming out. So he's burned them so many times in those rollouts and finding a, a player and I just think that, that was that was what I don't think Anthony Barr was that malicious. No, um, or he's player.
1: burned them like going and yeah. like pump faking and then getting, you know, and then running. Exactly. So, you know, I can't blame that guy. alright let, let's let's I didn't think it was dirty. No, I'm with you 100%. All right, let's go to Monday, Thursday here. Uh, we've got the Tennessee Titans and the questionable Marcus Mariota,
2: I'm sure is, uh, you know. We not even talking he's about good. the Colts. It's just the, the Titans and the Marcus Mariota's. Yeah,
1: pretty much. So, I mean, questionable. <laughs> it looks like he's going to play as of recording this, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, then you've got uh, Oakland hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Looking at quarterback so far for me, I mean, to me this is easy. I want to pay up for – The skill players, I want to pay down a quarterback. That's just where I'm coming from this week. I I know Alex Smith is very good, but 8,200 I have a hard time with. Jacoby Brissett at 6,900 I have a much easier time with. I know it's on the road, but – Against Tennessee, I think he can do enough in this one to get by, as long as he can get me somewhere at fourteen fifteen. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, how about you? Are
2: you? Would you prefer to go up for a car or a Smith? Or I'll uh, go down even further if Marcus Mirota does end up missing time. And again, you preface this saying that he likely is going to play, and I have to agree with you. But if he were to miss time, I wouldn't mind Matt Castle at sixty one hundred. I think that Castle can be better than what we saw last week when he came in on relief. I think if you. He- he had a bit more time to prepare, have some reps. That Colts defense isn't fantastic, and I think that Castle could be good. Otherwise, I look at a guy like Derek Carr. I hate these Thursday night games. just It's so tough to predict who's going to go crazy and who's not. Um, but I think that Derek Carr at 7,300 is a lot better proposition than Alex Smith at 8,200.
1: Now over on the running back side, this is tough because Kareem Hunt is priced at 10k. He's 10.3, yeah. and that is a huge number. And and here's part of it. I mean, part of it is the Oakland, you know, the Oakland defense, which you know everyone's coming into the year telling me how the Oakland Raiders are going to you know run away with the AFC, and I'm just saying to myself, well, let, let's, let's let's see, see it. <laughs> how the defense no, I plays, you. you know. And look, it wasn't a great game for him against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh defensively very good. Look it, through the air, it was. He had five catches for 89 on six targets. But no touchdowns, which we're all getting a little spoiled with him. The last three outings have been two times value, 14, 13, 13. It's been somewhere around there, you know, because he was priced somewhere around, you know, eight and a half or whatever. But when you get to 10, that's where I have a problem, you know, because 10, he's got to go 20 for to return value. The problem is it's a Monday, Thursday slate. And when you're talking about that, I mean, you really have to put your chips into the middle and go all in because you kind of live and die with Kareem Hunt. Because the rest of these running backs, it's Lynch who we don't like. It's DeMarco Murray who, although the carry volume is there, there's some questions about the return. And then you got Marlon Mack and Frank Gore. What's that scenario going to look like? I think running back is really tough. So I guess the question is, do you go with Kareem Hunt and then a safe guy like Gore or their lower price guy, or do you try to go somewhere in you know the middle, pay up for quarterback, and let's say if Mariota is playing, you pay up for Alex Smith and go down to the Demarco Murray's and Mac or Demarco Murray Gore grouping.
2: I think the question actually is: Do you go with Kareem Hunt at ten uh, thousand three hundred, or do you go with Travis Kelsey and just uh, studs everywhere else, and and just kind of forego that position entirely? Because I can I can see a scenario given what running backs we have to pick from, where I would go Hunt and Murray, and then go low on quarterback get. Good receivers, and we'll get to that in a little bit, and then maybe pick a guy like Delaney Walker instead of Kelsey, which is a $1,500 difference. I think that will be the direction that fantasy owners have to think about when they're putting together a lineup. I personally am probably going Kareem Hunt um, and DeMarco Murray. I think that Murray gets a touchdown. I'm not sure that he gets you know that much yardage, but I think I'm looking for a touchdown. That does it for me. I will say, and I've been on this train since the very beginning, Marlon Mack is the better running back on the Colts team. And once the Colts decide to use him, he is going to be a fantastic season long asset. He's going to be an even better daily fantasy asset. I don't think it's this week. I, I'm just waiting, though. Marlon Mack is a very, very, very good player. And I'm excited to see that one unfold when it does.
1: Well, it's funny. Marlon Mack was one of the guys I was very excited about uh, coming into fantasy season because I did a lot of work on him in the draft when, you know, prepping up. And, you know, when you watch the highlights, you know, in terms of. In terms of explosiveness, it's hard not to love Marlon Mack. And and when you watch him run, the the questions were the inconsistency. Sometimes the concentration-wise wasn't great, either game-to-game or quarter-to-quarter with him. And that was something that he needed to work on. And, you know, the more opportunities he's going to get, sometimes kids fix that. You know, sometimes good coaching fixes that. Sometimes good surroundings will fix that kind of stuff, as opposed to the kid in college who just gets away with athleticism most of the time. I'm with you. I'm just not sold whether or not they're going to be able to get that done. I would probably lean Frank Gore just on the touchdown upside because of the Monday Thursday slate but I can't argue in terms of talent. I think you're 100% right about Marlon Mack and I certainly hope for season long players too that that starts to come to fruition but in daily I'm going to I'm going to go the safer route and I'm going to go on the other side of that and stick with Gore. Let's go on the wide receivers here. TY Hilton 8200 top of the board. You got Tyreek Hill dealing with a concussion, you got Crabtree who I always say is always a lock for points. He's 6700. You have to have Crabtree in there. Now, the question is, do you want Amari Cooper in there? Now, Cooper has been a guy. I mean, look, he had six targets this week, caught five of them for 28 yards. That's not what you want in terms of totals. But is he, is right. he just done with for you right now? Is he just a bad investment? I mean, because you've got a guy like Rashard Matthews too, and I know some of that's kind of dependent, but would you go Rashard Matthews or would you go Amari
2: Cooper this week if you had to choose? Yeah, I think I actually might go with Shard Matthews there. I've been I've been high on Cooper entering the season, uh, and I've told a lot of people, uh, both podcasts and just radio spots that I think that I would wait. I'll be sitting Cooper if I have better options at this point. I really think he's going to get it figured out, but I just he's hurting you too much to keep him in your lineup. And I know that he's probably second round pick or a third round pick in season long, and and you've been having to pay high prices in daily fantasy for the most part too. I'm sitting him until I can feel comfortable using him most weeks. And that's not necessarily this week. But I will say, is Marcus Peters going to be covering Cooper or is he covering Crabtree? Because if he's covering Crabtree, then I think Cooper has a lot more value. That other side of that chief secondary is the one to target if you're looking for a daily fantasy play. And I think that Peters actually is going to be playing on Crabtree, which makes me, A, not want to pay for Crabtree, and B, really actually consider Cooper despite me being kind of low on him.
1: That's an excellent point, Uh, so definitely go check that and see how that's going to roll out there as we have got to get more news here on this game uh, as we hit during Monday morning. Now, Travis Kelsey, top of the board, tight end, 7,500. Delaney Walker, a $1,500 discount at 6K. Now, look, I, I don't go into the Doyles or the Jared Cooks. I understand Doyle's healthier. If you want to punt that and pay up for everywhere else, for Jack Doyle, all right. I'm just not crazy about it. I just don't think he has enough upside. But let's talk about Delaney Walker here. I'm in agreement there. I think you can get enough from him to go through and actually, you know, can he, can he give you a 12 short, you know? But the question is, is it an easier 12 than say Travis Kelsey, who this past week, obviously on Sunday, not a great game for him, but we've seen him rebound from these quiet games to have huge games. So every time he's gone single digits, he's come back this year with a 20 spot. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so just putting that out yeah. there it's almost like the overcompensation it's, it's That's, where, that's where I think it's true I think that that's where the, the conversation between do you want to pay 10k for Kareem Hunt or do you want to pay up for Kelsey is the, the question that you need to have I personally I'm going to try to tinker with it and find a way to get both Hunt and Kelsey in the lineup because so I agree with you I think that there's rebound potential overcompensation potential whatever you want to call it I think that that's what's going to happen especially against that Raiders uh, defense that historically has struggled against tight ends too Maybe not so much this year, but historically they have. All right,
1: very good. All right, let's do quick uh, hot takes real fast before we get out of here. Uh, Coming up on week seven, uh, the Jets and the Dolphins. Now, here's a spot where I'm looking already and I'm looking at the Dolphins defense that has played very well. They played well against Drew Brees. They played well against Matt Ryan. I would imagine they play well against the Jets. To me, that's a spot where all of a sudden the Dolphins defense has become very appealing because they're always underpriced. Looking ahead for point totals Cowboys 49ers. Give me, what do you think in terms of expected total here? You think that this is going to be a spot where you're looking for some fantasy stock because neither of these defenses seem to be able to stop many people.
2: Yeah, I think that I would probably lean more towards the Cowboys situation. And that really depends a lot on what happens with Zeke Elliott here. And we didn't really touch on that at all um, because of the bye week that went for the Cowboys. But at the same time, that's a really, really big thing to, to keep in mind for DFS is that, Who's going to play if Zeke is out? Is it Alfred Morris? Is it Darren McFadden? I lean towards Alfred Morris, and I think that he'll be suppressed enough where he's definitely a guy I would use um, in that matchup given how bad the 49ers have been this season.
1: Well, in price, Darren McFadden's 57. Alfred Morris is 57 going into next week. So they're equally right there, lockstep, yeah. both of them together. So there's it's funny because most people I've heard will tell you they think it's McFadden, and that's why McFadden's been kind of held back this whole year and that Morris is going to just continue to be Morris's role. What is it about Morris that you think he's going to be the
2: guy? Because uh, I've heard a lot of McFadden stuff, but not as much on the Morris end. I thought it was McFadden too, and then we didn't see him play all year. I mean, they've been, they've been holding him out, and that just that says something to me that they trust Alfred Morris more, for whatever the reason they trust Alfred Morris more. And I think that he could still be a bit of a PPR guy too. Um, at least in that offense, he can use some of the checkdowns. Where I think that's where McFadden has much more value over Alfred Morris in that offense. If Morris can continue to do that, if he can show some of that, I think that Morris is a guy that they'll end up using more. I think the snap count might be more like a 70-30 or 60-40. But I lean towards Morris just based off of the consistency and the fact that I think the Cowboys trust him more. Well, another week another
1: week here we are, basically in the books, another, you know, huge injury which tells you why you should be playing daily fantasy. Instead of season long, at this point, Uh, because you know it's just true. At this point in the time, I mean, not being beholden to players, not having the investment. Where if you're an Aaron Rodgers owner, you know your season might be done. If you're a Dalvin Cook owner, you know you took a huge hit. Ezekiel Elliott now, if you miss him for six weeks, you know it's just it's not as much fun. Fun is on the daily side, and over two and a half million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today. At fanduelcom rotowire, and you'll get a free six-month rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduelcom rotowire, Avoid where prohibited. Uh, I want to thank Joe Bartell for joining me today here on the program, uh, especially uh, as he continues to go through the stages of grief. Hopefully, <laughs> acceptance coming. And if you want to tweet at him. You know, uplifting things. Make sure you go over to at JB Fantasy Sports and tweet at him. Maybe send him some funny gifts or something like that, or some funny memes to cheer him up, and or or just send him some more cheese or some crackers to go along with the cheese. You can follow me at Joe JoePisaP17. I also like cheese and crackers, <laughs> and I will accept all gifts that you've got here for everybody here at Rotowire. Have a great week of daily fantasy.